You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 758, Legion of Superheroes 67, Arachnophobia. Welcome to episode 758 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French. And to, now now it's got me thinking of that uh, John Goodman movie, Arachnophobia. <laughs> I remember that. And uh, there were a lot of spiders in that movie, I gotta say. That, that It made me think of a spee, a spy, an arachne. <laughs> if anyone's ever remembers every line from American Tale, Five Goes West like I do. <laughs> wow. That is fantastic. Uh, I, I I cannot top that. So, Travis, tell me, what is happening to the south of here? Hey, everybody, this is Travis Illisor, and I am Annual Beard Lad. Um, about once a year, for some reason, I, I, t- I attempt to grow a beard, and then I'll have it for about a month or a month and a half and say, oh, this is horrible, and I hate <laughs> keeping up with it, and I shave it right <laughs> off. And I'm doing it again. Uh, about two weeks in now. I'm looking at it. <laughs> How is it? It's 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 coming along, and then it'll get to where it actually starts to look like a beard, and then I'll go. I I don't want to maintain this, and I'll shave it <laughs> off. And... Hey, at least you're consistent. I am, and right? I, I, I'll, I'll have some people that be like, "Hey, that looks good on you." And I'll have some people say, "That makes you look so old." And I'll, oh, thank you. <laughs> Even if you think that, you don't have to say it. That's right. <laughs> You're damn right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did. I started mine three years ago, and it's actually less work than shaving every day, because I just trim it up once a week, and that's good enough. That... So what? What kind of extra work are you doing? That just the fact that I have to trim it ever. Right. Uh, whereas <laughs> I have to use like a guard or something and then I have to because I shape it just a little bit I don't like it going all the way down my neck and all that and that's just, it's so much easier to just get a razor and be done with it just shave everything just point, point, point. Yeah, and I don't shave every day never. yeah same <laughs> every every, oh, every two days for me yeah I, I used to do that off. I used to do that but now I'm, I'm twice a week usually uh, I... Mondays and Fridays yeah Currently, I'm growing my hair out. I haven't had a haircut since like November. And, oh, um, look at I'm you, so- you long haired hippie. Well, I'm starting to look a bit like fat brainy, honestly. I've got to do something <laughs> about it. We got to get you the sunglasses and the blue jumpsuit. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say Lebowski, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm seriously tempted this time when I, uh, when I get around to shaving it off to just shaving the head as well. Yeah. Just, just take, take it all out. Just no hair. Are you, are you, are you like me? Are you blessed with hair and don't want it? I am, I am not. Uh, I have, I have hair still at this point, but it's the receding hairline is clearly going in action. Is it winning? Yeah, it's winning. Like, I'm not like my dad. My dad, like by thirty, was bald, and Uh uh, you know, I'm, I'm well into my forties now, and it's just. But it's still visibly receding to the point of it's a pain, and it's like, oh, this does this look bad? Does this look bad? Is it time? Is it time? Yeah, and I think uh, it, it just uh, get rid of it. Get I'm, rid I'm of cursed. All of it. I'm I'm cursed with hair. 
it's a good curse to have, Jim. Don't... Yeah, hence the hence the. Be, be grateful for your curses. <laughs> I'm balding on top, or I have a bald spot on top, and it's uh, uh, when I when my hair grows out, it looks like an afro, except not on top, so it's more like a halo. <laughs> you can hide things up there, Michael. You can stick something oh. in there. <laughs> like you the, so, you got like the fire tuck bird's nest. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> You can keep a boiled so that, egg up there for as a snack. So, that, <laughs> so that's why I uh, uh, that's why I keep it short now. Yeah, gotcha. Anyway, this has been uh, discuss your hair podcast. And, Ooh, uh, take over it to you, <laughs> over to you, Michael. Hi, everybody, Michael Grabois. And uh, this past weekend, when I was not here, uh, I was off being Chicago deep dish pizza lad. Oh yeah, uh, I. Don't get to Chicago very often. Um, I've got uh, a bunch of cousins who are actually the children of my first cousins. So for those keeping track at home, that would be my first cousins once removed. Nice. Yep. Um, and they are, for the last few years, have been getting married. And this past weekend was number eight of nine. Whoa. And so I've only got one... Uh, uh, one more shot, one more trip to Chicago that I know of, but I don't know when that's going to be. And so uh, since the rest of my family are deep dish fans, uh, we decided to conduct an experiment in the name of science. Nice. I like where this is going. <laughs> and so we got there on Friday afternoon last week, and we had uh, pizza from Lou Malnati's. If you are familiar with Chicago, you'll understand that reference. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on Saturday, we went to Uno's, which is another uh, pizza place. Normally, when I go up, uh, we only get to go to one, but we had the time to be able to do two of them. And so that was our science experiment was to do, let's do a pizza taste test back-to-back uh, -back at the flagship restaurants for each that is awesome i love this and i had not had uno's since literally 2005 mm -hmm. i only know uno's uh, uno's is a chain uh well it, it it is a chain but the chain spun off of the original restaurant downtown and the and the owners sold off the chain so mm. it's the same name but the one in downtown chicago uh, is called Uno's, and then uh, they have a Douay's right around the corner. Uh, those are basically the original, and everything else is a franchise. Wait, so they actually have two restaurants, and the second one is called Douay's? Yep, wow. Uno's and Douay's. That's awesome. And they are, they are the same, um, but they are uh, the, the chain that is in multiple locations, even around Chicago and outside of the state. Um, those are basically name only and they split off years ago from the from the originals um but we decided that uh, as a group it was the four of us we all like Lou Malnati's better yeah um and uh next time we're going to do a comparison with Giordano's and Gino's East oh, which okay. are uh which are two other Chicago uh 
places that totally that have great supposedly have great pizza, but and and have reputations uh, uh, outside. Yes, of, uh, of of the of the area. So I mean, it's correct. Now, do I do I feel a, a bracket coming on, Michael? Uh, no, because there's only four, <laughs> and and we did the first bracket of Uno's versus uh, right. So you so you've got so, two. You've got those two, and then the I other guess. two. And then do you have a a death match between the two winners? Um, in theory, but that would require two more trips to Chicago because I don't think I could do deep dish pizza four days in a row. No, that's definitely true. That's yeah. No, do not do that. Mike. No, two is enough. Yes. <laughs> three is too many. <laughs> Take a drink. Uh, five <laughs> is right out. Is it too many casseroles? That's um, uh, so it's, have, ca- it's I, counting for the holy hand grenade. Yes. So I have I have friends who are from New York and who are purists and say, basically, if you can't fold it like a New York slice, then it's not real pizza. Yeah. Oh, it's cake. I, I, I reject both. I'm a, and, I like and deep, so, I like... so they, he, he called uh, Chicago deep dish as as quiche. <laughs> like I said, it's more of a casserole. Yeah. So, yeah, but according to my New York friends, it's not pizza because you can't you can't fold it over like a New York slice. Right. Yeah. I like whatever was, Pizza Hut is. That kind of deep dish. <laughs> yeah, which is basically based on uh, uh, uh Chicago, yes. Yeah. No, it, it? it it's based on Chicago, yeah. I thought it's not Chicago unless the sauce is on top of everything. No, it's just the it's it's that there's a lot of it and it's thick, but it's not like Sicilian thick crust. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. you know the the sauce can be on top depending on on where you uh, which restaurant you go to. Um, I don't think I've but, ever uh, actually had authentic Chicago style pizza. I should probably find some. I I recommend that. Um, I recommend going to Chicago and and getting it there. Because if you get it elsewhere, you might just be getting a pale imitation. Right. And I will close this pizza cast uh, <laughs> drink. with uh, with my opinion that while not for everybody, uh, pineapple is really good on pizza. But it depends on. Look, I got, on, look, I got pizza a, in my mouth, or I debate that. Hot take. Hot take. I love it. Next so, people are going to be like burgers on uh, pickles on burgers by default. That's that's <laughs> that's how people are going to be coming at you. Just you wait. <laughs> if that's what they believe, then they're wrong. But, you know, <laughs> I said my opinion is that I like pineapple on pizza and opinions may vary. Indeed. But- indeed. I, I tend to like it if there is something hot counterbalancing that. Yeah. 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 It's all about to me it's all about balance, right? It's right. the yeah. Spicy and sweet. I'm, I'm I'm happy. It's it's like it's like the force. There's a light side and a dark side. <laughs> yes, exactly. it's exactly like the force. I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of anything sweet mixing with my tomato sauce. And that's yeah. fair. Savory only for me, thanks. Which is indeed also sweet. 
I'm just saying. Well, that's what I'm saying is I don't think you need the additional citric ah. with the tomato sauce. That's wow. why you put meat on there. Right. We should we should go as deep into the issue as this. Let me tell you. But uh, uh, I know that the discussion of pizza can go on. I'm feeling kind of hungry now. <laughs> forever. And so I will end there and hand it over to Jim. Hey, everyone. I'm Jim Purcell. And this week I was 421 Blazer Man. So let me explain. Yes, please uh, do. It, 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 <laughs> I am going to need more. <laughs> so um, about this time every year, uh, they start announcing details of the new Ultraman series that comes out in the summer. Right. And this year it's going to be called Ultraman Blazer. And the ultra, the new Ultraman is coming from Galaxy M421, uh, which apparently is a real galaxy uh, with a a with a. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It's like a black hole, like uh, deal that like ejects like energy, and it's like face on. So they call it a blazer because it's like a it's like shooting a blaze out at, a, at directly at us. But at any rate, the new suit looks awesome. The uh, the uh, preview stuff for the first episode looks awesome. They're gonna they're gonna have what's the, the the best kind of Ultraman fight, which is Ultraman fighting monsters at night. So night fights are great. Um, I'm just really excited about Ultraman right now. Uh, no, the joke is that is that he's called Ultraman Blazer, and they announced this on uh, April twentieth. Yes, four twenty. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which was yeah. kind of ridiculous, but uh. And the so fact that he's from that he's from Galaxy 421, I mean, somebody must know. So, uh, according to this, um, um, oh, huh, just a coincidence. Um, this article from because uh, this past week was Sarah's tenth birthday. Yeah, um, she's born April 18th, which is of course the anniversary of Superman. Um, so I believe that means that Superman is what. Uh, 85 now i think that's right yeah what year uh it's 2023 jim no no what year was <laughs> that, 19, 1938 so 38 yeah yeah 85, yeah so it's 85 correct. yeah so and um because of course it was the 75th birthday um what the day that sarah was born um uh, on which date also an article came out on phys phys.org as in physics.org um astron astronomers amazed at timing of markarian 421 blazer <laughs> so there we go bbc's reporting at a time when space researchers around the world have just coincidentally trained their instruments in the direction of where it's being emitted the active galaxy markarian 421 so there we go. It's known as a blazing a blazer galaxy, a term used to describe active galaxies with supermassive black holes that emit light across the entire light spectrum in jets that are trillions of times more energetic than the light that can be seen by the human eye, all pointing directly toward our planet. Right. What could yeah. possibly so, go wrong? What could possibly go wrong indeed? <laughs> Ultraman's going to come out of that. Exactly coming hero of light coming to save us all there you go they do there you go and this has yeah. been astronomy cast yeah indeed oh, my take a drink my god i really hope everyone can get that keep the names of the characters straight tonight
All right. Well, that is awesome. Um, well, what we got for Legion News, if any. Michael, do you have anything? I have the sound of crickets. Okay, close, well, the I have closest... the sound of... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead I was gonna say, the closest thing to news we have is, I guess, the third episode of Keith Giffen's podcast came out, and it's full of Legion. Like, it Q&A. was all Legion all the time. Um, it's, uh, and, and I mean, little neat, neat, little detaily stuff. Like he talked about how, you know, there would be those issues where, um, where Levitz would, um, you know, give him a, a plot and he would, uh, uh, he would basically, you know, take some notes and then he would throw them out on the way home and, huh. um, and just go with what he remembered because he figured that's the strongest stuff. And uh, and then he would add to it in between there. And um, and, and when we talked to, to Levitz, he uh, he kind of co- he pretty much corroborated that um, that there would, you know, he'd get the pages back and it'd be like, huh, I wonder what this is all about. And yeah. um, and so uh, but one of the things they talked about was actually one of my uh, top 10 issues from last week. And that was the um, monster. Yeah, the annual monster in a little girl's mind. He said that that he pretty much did everything Levitt's asked of it. You know, it was one of his earliest issues on the book, to be fair. Um, and uh, and so so, you know, he they he talked about how there are some that would have been like a, um, you know, a, a little more him on the plot side and um and others that were true collaborations. And he said that that one plot wise was was all Levitt's. Uh, he did pretty much everything, oh, everything he was asked to do. Um, and I'm trying to think of some of the other things. Oh, the the uh, the whole the whole dream girl thing, you know, he said was uh, definitely. A, Are you kidding me? Moment. <laughs> And uh, he's like, so so now we've got the character whose superpower is I need to go take a nap. <laughs> and um, and and just that whole idea of uh, of it's like, OK, so this is what happens when we've got the fans, uh, you know, taking uh, taking care of that section of it. And um, and and, you know, verifying that, yes, that was definitely a. Um, uh, a, a wrench thrown into the works of what they were doing, but the, certainly, I mean, no one hey. can deny they found their way around it beautifully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they talked about his uh, um, favorite character is, of course, uh, Karate Kid. Boy. Wow. His <laughs> uh, <laughs> tastiest character, Sun Boy. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's twice Kentucky, Kentucky, them, right? Kentucky Fried. Yeah, and. Um, uh, favorite to draw, and this was this this had more to do with the fact that he was the easiest to draw was Wildfire. Um, yeah, it was an interesting conversation, and just uh, sure, I guess it was just a body with a with no face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice and easy to do, right? Um, probably probably even easier to draw when he's just a blob of energy. <laughs> True, yeah, just exactly. Draw, draw a Kirby now crackle in a ball. Yeah, now we understand why. Why they used to blow up his suit so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so he talked a bit about that and he talked. Um, 
I'm trying to think of uh, some of the other things that you talked about. I threw out my notes. I just decided I would go with what I remember. Um, let's see. Uh, what else did Good for Nothing Son-in-Law ask? Um, yeah, it, but he took a bunch of, uh, basically a bunch of fan questions from uh, from Keith's uh, Facebook thread and um, and answered a bunch of them. It sounds like they're going to have lots more to go. Um, he also uh, he also briefly talked about the time that he ran into uh, uh, literally ran into Muhammad Ali mm -hmm. and um, and also uh, a young George Lucas. Hmm. So uh, man, man seems to have a lot of stories, which is like he, half the reason to listen to his show. He's got a lot of stories. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I I have not listened to him yet, but I've downloaded all three. They seem to be about. 30 to 40 minutes each, which is oh, they're, nice. They're, they're pretty short. So, yeah. 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 So if you're listening to them on double speed, like me, that's like you might, one trip you, to you might not want to listen to these on double speed purely because the sound quality is horrendous. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, you might just, you might find yourself losing any time you've saved by rewinding to say, what the hell did he say? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they um, um, had an old, uh, you know, micro cassette uh, recorder. Yeah, they, it's like uh, something they're like mashing record on a tape deck. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an old reel to reel. <laughs> At least that would have implied a microphone. <laughs> yeah, he, he's. It seems like he's talking across a room to like a yeah. headset. I don't know what. I don't know what's going on. Sound yeah, Derek wise, said it, so. I haven't seen any of the YouTube clips of it, but Derek mentioned that uh, he didn't see any issues with the sound, um, and maybe that's part of it. Um, I don't know, but anyway. Um, so yeah, that's as close to Legion news as we get right now. Um. So why don't we uh, get into the issue? Uh, before we know. do that, uh, Michael. Yeah. Yes. Let's do you do have nine fate? Do you have? Do we do this up front? I forget if we did it up front or after we, last. I week. think we did it after, but it's it's good to go did up we? front and then we'll. You you've already you've already uh, segued into I it. I guess I got to commit yeah, to the bit. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so Michael, as we've done the last several weeks, uh, we're all asking what uh, everyone's favorite single issues of uh, Legion of Superheroes is, and uh, I think you've generated your list. Well, so I thought about this. And I was able to pick out several of my favorites, but I don't necessarily have nine like actual favorites that I could come up with. So I came up with, uh, to fill out the rest of the list, uh, ones that are important to me in some other way. Sure. So it's my list. I'll do what I want with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I will go here in chronological publishing order which is not necessarily the order in which I first encountered the first half of these. Uh, so the first one is Adventure Comics number 353, which is the first part of the Adult Legion story. Yes. Uh, sometime around 1975, uh, I was like eight years old, going on nine. Um, and uh, we had a rummage sale at school. Nope. And this, um, 
the school rummage sale was basically a garage sale, except you asked your parents to donate stuff to the school and then they would use it for fundraising for whatever. And so one of the items that I found there was this copy of Adventure Comics 353. And I was like literally just within the last few months starting to read comics. And they were like, I think they were either 20 cents or 25 cents at the time cover price. And I saw one that was 12 cents. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I might, I'm getting ripped I, I don't off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was right around the time that I bought my first one off the stands, which I'll get to in a little bit. And so it really confused me is how do I have a comic from 1966 when they're adults, but they're teenagers in 1976. <laughs> and that, that really confused my eight-year-old brain. Yeah. Yeah. You said 354 and or 353? Was it which one was the first part of the adult uh, legion? The adult legion is three fifty four. Three fifty three okay, so, is death of Pharaoh lad. Ah, uh, okay, so definitely three fifty four then, because it's the the first part of the adult legion. Got it. Um, and and so uh, it was also years, probably a decade, until I was able to find the second part of that story. Uh, and so I never knew what happened um, in there until I bought. I'm pretty sure it was DC Comics Presents. I think it's number three that had the the, the Adult Legion story as a reprint. Or DC Superstar is number yeah, three. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. yeah <laughs> DC Comics yeah, DC, Presents, DC, I think it was Captain Common. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, no, it was DC, DC Superstars. Yes. And, and so that was, the, that was the first time I got to read the second part of the story. Um, That's amazing. So, yeah, because um, I... I, I I, I hear you on that one. I, I first saw that in the barber shop with the cover missing and a couple of pages, like like a couple of wraparound pages. So it was kind of a, oh. you know, starting on page four or five. Oh, man. And well, I, at least had the, earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I, I at least had the full the full issue. Nice. But uh, it's it's pretty beat up. Yeah, um, it's it's not going to be a nine point something that Travis likes to buy. No. But no, uh, none of that fancy stuff. No, none of that fancy stuff. So Adventure uh, 354 is your first pick. Correct. Uh, number two is Adventure 369. Uh, the first part of the Mordru nice. story. Um, I read that one uh, through the tabloid. The yeah. uh, limited collector's edition number C49. Um and I got that because, you know, it was like, oh, my God, a giant comic book. Yeah. And and I recognized the cover artist because Mike Grell was doing the Legion at the time. And I recognized the name of the writer because Jim Shooter was back doing the writing at the time. Mm -hmm. But like, why is this a giant comic book? And why is the artist the guy who does Superman? <laughs> and and uh, it's a hell of a story. You know, it's like I wish I wish I could have written something like that when I was Shooter's age. It was it was one of Wade's favorites. He yeah. he used that was his template for years. And uh, I think I remember it was either Roger Stern or Kurt Busick or even Wade who said that they drove themselves crazy for years looking for that first appearance of Mordrew 
uh, in the story that he references in a flashback that we never actually saw. I would bet that any one of them went through that. So that's yep. fair. <laughs> so <clears throat> I had to pick I had to pick one issue. And so that's a I'm great one. Three, 369 because it it involves, you know, bringing the, the newest Legionnaire shadow lass and like she doesn't know what's going on. And oh my God, everybody just got defeated. And we've got Superboy and Monel who are the the toughest Legionnaires. They have to run away and hide in Smallville. I'm like, wow, this guy is pretty badass. Yeah. Although I was I was probably not thinking badass at the time because I don't know if I knew that that word yet. That's fair. But, That's fair. Um uh but also you also didn't know that yet that he had a jet ski. So that's true. That was yeah. not for years, not until years later. <laughs> All right. So, so Adventure 369 is my number two. Very nice. Uh, my number three is Superboy 212, which, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, that was the first Legion book that um, I bought off the newsstand with my own money. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I uh, took to it like I did. But basically, I started collecting that series from that point on uh, because basically because they were teenagers and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't Superman or Batman's age, but I was a lot closer to being a teenager than I was to being an adult. That's interesting. Yeah, I I think it's isn't that interesting. I think. I so I, that I was able to Titans too. It's like, yeah, I was, yeah. I was able to identify with the, uh, with the teenage superheroes more than I was the adults. Yeah. Uh, and I did collect uh, teen Titans when, um, uh, when Bob Rosakis, uh, uh brought back the, um, brought back the series around 1976 or so. Yeah. Cause that was, that was, that was my golden age when I was 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, so number three, Superboy 212. Uh, number four is uh, Legion number 268, the Dr. Mayville story. Of course. Um, no, just kidding. That doesn't count. Oh, my, that's my, my real whole number, list. My Ooh. real number four. He doesn't like is, Ike, guys. Is, oh. No, I don't like Ditko with Dematis on the Legion. <laughs> uh, my real number four is the uh, Legion... Volume two, annual number one, uh, which everybody else has picked so far. Uh, in uh, in my thought process of why I chose this one, because that was the start of the uh, uh, of the team up. They had had a couple of issues uh, together, starting with two eighty seven, but this is the one where they kind of kicked everything into high gear, and it showed what they yeah. could do and how they could use everyone. You know, this is a legion of superheroes. Oh, yeah. Flash, our, what issue is that again? It's the annual the, one. The the oh. the computer annual. Computer yeah. annual. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Number five is Legion Volume Two, number two ninety four. It is the last part of the Great Darkness because it has my favorite all time or all time favorite fuck yeah moment in comics. That's the full pr- full page splash of Superboy and Supergirl mm-hmm. uh, coming yes. in at dark side and just punching the crap out of them. Yep. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, so that splash page alone is why it is on my list. Very nice. Uh, number six 
DC Comics presents number 59, featuring Superman and the subs versus Ambush Bug. Uh, probably the Thanks. funniest superhero comic I've ever read. And it still makes me laugh <laughs> whenever I read it to this day. Totally. It's And it's not just funny, it's fun. Yes. It, it's, it's, you know, it's not something that you thought that Paul and Keith could have done but they do a really good job at at uh, portraying Ambush Bug at his wackiest, which of course, which of course, Keith Giffen then took and ran with with his uh, later <laughs> miniseries. Indeed. Um, number seven, uh, kind of surprising to me that I put it on the list, but it's a uh, volume four, number sixty-one. It's the very last issue in End of an Era. Um, mm. But I didn't put it there because of the uh, of the storyline or end of an error or anything like that. Uh, it it's there because it's the first issue that I got to discuss with people online. And, oh, neat! And so uh, I got online on CopyServe's Comics and Animation Forum right as that issue came out, and like I didn't have anyone who I could discuss comic with comics with at home. Yeah. You know, no one from my, no one from my comic shop. Cause I had to drive, you know, a half hour to get there yeah. and nobody, nobody from high school. And um, actually this was like, after I had graduated uh, and I was working this in 94. So I had been working for eight years before the, uh, before the internet came out. And so I found the comics and animation forum. And it's like, here are my people. Oh yeah, that's amazing. And and, and it uh, you know it really changed my life, um, in that I made friends, people who I'm still friendly with today. The group that I go to Las Vegas with uh, every summer. That's how I met them. Amazing. Uh, you know, went was able to go to San Diego several times and hang out with people that I know. And so it just opened up a whole new world of people that I could talk the Legion with and, and not just the fans, but also, you know, I could go there and Mark Wade was there and Kurt Busick and Tom McCraw and Neil Gaiman and Peter David. And, you know, you could talk to your, your favorite pros. Um, this was before, people before the internet got to be what it is today. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you could talk to them and, and ask them questions. And uh, as we get deeper into the series, um, the creators like Jeff Moy and, and Wade and McCraw who were in the forum, they started bouncing ideas off of forum members um, so if you think about what the beer bombs did with their interlac, uh, friends, yep. this is what the reboot creators did with the online, uh, fans. Yep. And so I'll point those out as I get there. Fantastic. Um, so Legion volume four, number 61 is my number seven, which leads me to number eight, uh, Legionnaires number 38, um, it is where I was actually drawn into an issue uh, by Jeff Moy as a result of meeting him and other people in San Diego in 
five. And I will uh, give more details of that story when we get there. Nice. And that is, uh, I think we will be getting to that one in um, March of next year. Nice. So, so I hate to, uh, uh, to drop that there and then not pick it up for a year, but we'll survive. We'll, 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 we'll make it through. Yes. Uh, and finally, uh, I needed something to fill out the top nine and I decided to go with Legion of three worlds, number five, um, because, okay. because it's got, uh, literally everyone everywhere all at once and drawn by George Perez. And, and, and inked by Scott Koblish while he listened to this show. <laughs> yes. And it was, uh, uh, it's one of my, it, it's probably tied for my second greatest fuck yeah moment on the two page spread where three legions plus more people are all drawn by Perez and, and like a, a jaw dropping two page yeah. spread. Yeah. Very so nice. that's my top nine. Excellent. Excellent list. Yes. And I'm looking up uh, number 38. <laughs> there's there's nothing special about 38. It just happens to be the issue that he was drawing at the time. Neat. Or, 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 or he was uh, looking for people to fill a crowd scene. Oh, fair. And, okay. And I was... And and so he drew people for, that he met at the convention that summer, both San Diego and Chicago. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Very neat. Well, that's cool. But as if you haven't talked enough. <laughs> no, you're going to make me do the uh, the issue yeah. itself. Oh yeah, you're really. It's a, it's you're a away for really. he's away for three weeks. I mean. <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah, so let's see. We have an issue, uh, Legion of Superheroes, volume four, number 67. Um, this one, uh, took place on June 24th or will have been going to have taken place, I guess. Thank you. On June 24th, 2994, three days after the girls night out story, that we covered last week in Legionnaires number 23. Uh, one other thing about this before I get started is that uh, I'm going to introduce an irregular feature called Meanwhile, dot, dot, dot. Oh, which, I'm, I'm, I'm already on board. <laughs> uh, which, of course, was the name of Dick Giordano's column in the DC Comics. But my version of Meanwhile is uh, as as Travis mentioned last week, it's uh, where I will point out where the Legion as a team or individual Legionnaires appear in the greater DC universe outside of their own book. Uh, Travis mentioned last week how Excess regularly crossed over into Impulse's book. Um, but just before this issue, um, you recall that the Legion book was appearing two weeks after the Legionnaires book. Um, so in between Legionnaires 23 and this issue, uh, their Brainiac 5 has a cameo appearance in Guy Gardner Warrior number 29, 
which came out on February 7th of 1995. This issue came out on February 14th. Um, in that issue, uh, Phil Jimenez, friend of the podcast, uh, draws a Perez-worthy crowd scene where Brainy pops into the grand opening of a Guy Gardner's bar called Warriors. Uh, he grabs a beer and then he vanishes. Uh, it is a completely random appearance. And it wasn't until July 95, uh, five and a half months later, that the scene actually makes it into regular Legion continuity. Uh, what I figure is that Legion creative team saw this when it came out and they said, hmm, now we have to figure out how and where to put it into the story. And it took them a couple months to, to write the scene. And then uh, we will, I will remind you about it when we get there in August nice. when it comes out or when Very it fits nice. into continuity. So that is that is meanwhile for this week. Very nice. All righty. So we have a cover uh, to Legion of Superheroes number 67, cover date April of 90, was it 95? My copy is April 95, yes. Yep. And... Uh, it has a bunch of Legionnaires on the cover, and we have Chameleon and Andromeda and Apparition and Leviathan, and it looks like a bunch of icky spider legs coming mm. after them. And uh, it looks like uh, the cover is by Haley and Simmons. Is that correct? Matt Haley and Tom Simmons. All right. Colors by Tom McCraw. I am not familiar with either of those fellows. Uh, Tom Simmons has done a million things. Matt Haley, very, very scattered. A little bit of Birds of Prey and Nightwing. Lots of oh, just, okay. uh, he did some tangent stuff, some Judge Dredd. Just he's all over the place. Who is it? Matt Haley. Matt Haley. Whereas Tom Simmons uh, inked, uh, he did a lot of cross-gen. A lot of cross-gen. This uh, Excalibur worked in some showcase. She-Hulk, all kind of stuff. Huh. I don't know if either one of them have a definitive <clears throat> run on anything. but Yeah, Matt Haley's done a whole bunch of uh, storyboard stuff. Ah, oh, okay. And, and um, yeah. Like, Who Wants to Be a Superhero? He was a creative consultant on that. Uh he also did a Karate Kid versus Huntress commission for me. Very nice. That's what oh. he's most known for. In my that opinion. is what he is most known <laughs> for now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tom, uh, Sim Tom Simmons inked uh, Steve McNiven on Meridian at CrossGen. That's I ooh. am familiar with that. Very beautiful book. Nice. That book, especially yeah. under Steve McNiven. Gotta love some Steve McNiven. Yeah. All righty. So... Uh, on that cover, we have uh, Apparition is front and center, and the other Legionnaires are in back. And she's uh, fighting off what looks like a bunch of spider legs. And, um, uh, gee, I wonder who, what spider person, spider thing we may have seen in a Legion book. Yeah, Spider now, Girl. We just saw her. 
Uh, and it's not <laughs> Spider-Man either or Spider-Boy because this is um, uh, this is not only prior to current day Marvel, but also uh, prior to Amalgam. That is correct. So we open the book and we are out in space and we've got a giant spaceship uh, with a smaller spaceship attached to it. And it looks like a bunch of science police and and someone says, we've been breached. A ship slid under our tracking, sir. But how? And uh, the captain, I guess, says, I don't care how. Tell me who and what while there's still time. And uh, what looks like a giant grown-up Urk says, engineering. <laughs> engineering, uh, bridge this be. Danger, tell us. And in the background, we hear, brat, 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 brat. And and I won't continue with that one, but it, imagine me keep saying that while this is going on. And so a human says uh, something shearing through the hall. Get security down here, hurry! And uh, there's some red eyes and some spidery-looking tentacles that that start poking through a hole. And the uh, the the communicator says, "And send what? We deal with what?" And uh, the humanoid says, "I I don't know." And uh, it's not looking good for him. No. And then we see, get to the title page. It's called Insect Fear. Uh, with Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, Invisible Kid, Apparition, Chameleon, Leviathan, Spark, Triad, Andromeda, and Kinetics. And your guides to the 30th century, Tom McCraw, Tom Pyre, Mark Wade story. Chris Renaud guest pencils, Ron Boyd inks, uh, McCraw colors, Bob Pinaha letters, Mike McAvenny assists, Casey Carlson editor. And, and spiders uh, are not insects. Yeah, and also Renault. Uh, I thought that was R-E-N-A-U-L-T, like the car. Uh, no, but N-A-U-D is also usually um, said that way. You know, if the, if the French would just have like one pronunciation and stick to it, like we're the, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like like, like English in America, <laughs> like English, right? <laughs> and so uh, this creature comes through this uh, rip in the the hatch or in the the wall that he made. Well, he's got Cable's a, arms, and he's got Cyclops's visor. And it looks like a cyborg version of a giant spider. And he said, it says, then you are foolish. There is a name for your fear, boy. It is Tangleweb. And the human goes, ah, because that's he, what you do when, when you see a giant spider. Also, he's got Optimus Prime's pipes coming out of his back. Cause, <laughs> ah, cause, he does too. Because why not? Yeah, I know. Because why not indeed? Is, is, it, is insect fear a pun? The title makes no sense. Especially, yeah. I don't know. Insect fear. Insect fear. No. I would have called it arachnophobia, but mm -hmm. cliched. And that's why I did. Yes. Wait, maybe that maybe that's the pun. Maybe it's the inverse of arachnophobia, where it's just like but spiders aren't no, insects. That'd be, arach that'd be arachnophilia mm. is the inverse. Yeah. Well, not inverse, People I suppose. I mean the, the literal definition. But then it would be like uh, fear of spiders rather than insect. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm sure someone. There's no win here. Um, 
Yeah, sure. Someone in the letters column is going to. Oh, he's uh, also got he's also got Dr. Order. Octopus tentacles. This guy's got everything going on. Yeah. yeah, he's he's got he's got like two real arms, and then two cyborg arms, and then two tentacles, and then two legs. Messy. And and yeah, he's uh, very nineties. <laughs> yes. And so uh, Tangleweb. Uh, with a splorch, spits something out at the human and makes him drop his weapons. He said, no weapons. And the human says, please, we're just a, a, a scout ship. We have nothing to, to steal, no cargo. And Tangleweb says, incorrect. The food inside your eggshell cranium is the most priceless cargo of all. And with a thump, he sticks some of his uh, mouth tentacles and uh, into the guy's head as he goes, Nyah! and Tangleweb says, for what Tangleweb there unlocks will give him knowledge and power undreamed as the human uh, looks very much worse for wear as his mm -hmm. eyes turn yellow. And, and you know, um, <laughs> this also feels a bit reminiscent of Bloodlines. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he could be the new jam. Oh, we'll find be, out. It's got to be a post-zero hour jam. Anyway. Uh, but on the next page, we do take a drink statue. because there is a statue of Kid Quantum. And this is uh, uh, James who died earlier at the tentacles or the at the appendages of Tangleweb mm -hmm. and Metropolis, Earth, Legion headquarters. The room was designed to be a chapel. Too soon, it became a memorial hall. And though there is but one fixture in the room, it is the only thing in the world that makes Leviathan feel small. And uh, Gim's got his back to the statue looking pretty forlorn. And Cosmic Boy walks in and says, Gim, I got your message. And your science police connections checked out. Tangleweb's been sighted again. Then what are we waiting for? Let's smear his carcass against the spiral arm. Uh, it says, I promise you the Legion would avenge James's death, Gim, and we won't miss this chance. But not everyone is going to get a crack at him this time. Huh? And Kaz says, come on, I've called a meeting to announce a team, and it's not going to go well. And so we have a big uh, Legion uh, conference table with the big L and the comet on it, and triads, uh, they're all sitting around. We have triad, excess, Kinetics, Leviathan, Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, Invisible Kid, Chameleon, Trinking Violet, Spark, Apparition, Andromeda, and Brainiac 5. And I think I did that without messing anybody up. Uh, but take a drink if you are thirsty. Uh, so Triad says, what do you mean I'm not going on your stupid mission? And Saturn Girl says, are you sure you want to set this precedent, Cod? Cause until now, we've, we've been treated as equal assets to the Legion. And Gim says, I can't believe I'm hearing this. It's a tactical decision. Me, Cause, Kinetics, Apparition, Chameleon, Spark, and Andromeda. Andromeda, for Grife's sake. We're all power players. How can the Legion function as a team if you people take these calls personally? And everybody is looking at each other and... Uh, Invisible Kid says, why shouldn't I take it personally? I was good enough when you needed someone to beat Mano and save the whole prison planet. 
with the uh, editor's box saying, see recent issues of LSH and Legionnaires. Thanks, KC. Uh, and Kaz says, be that as it may, Invisible Kid, your powers are of limited use in the tight quarters of a pirated starship. And Saturn Girl says, what about telepathy? Tangleweb has a mind, doesn't he? And uh, Leviathan uh, dramatically puts his hand up to his forehead. Oh, Tangleweb's mind. It's too horrible to face. That's all we got from you last time. And she says, well, you should, and cuts herself off. Should what? I should talk after I blew the whole mission? That's what you were going to say, isn't it? And everybody kind of looks down and tries not to look at him. As Kinetic says, um, some of us are new. Can you fill us in on this tangle web? And Kaz says, of course. When the United Planets got its reports of plundered freighters, and Gim says, let me tell her. It's my story. It was our first mission. I was leader. We thought we were trailing pirates. And we have a, a flashback to the first uh, Tango Web story in Legion 62. And he continues, instead, I led us into the lair of a spider creature with incredible power. See issue 62. Against my wishes, Kid Quantum went to face him alone and paid the ultimate price because I, I failed as, and Kaz cuts him off, because he was headstrong and refused to obey your orders. Yeah. And Santa Girl says, maybe Kaz is right. He's our leader now, and I respect his decision. Uh, Triad is having none of that, and says, yeah, well, I think it stinks, and she storms off. Uh, she tries, she gets about as far as the doorway, and then Kaz uses her magnetism on, on her, his magnetism on her, and she says, hey, my belt. And he says, are we done? No. Now you listen to me. This isn't about who's better or stronger. That's not the way this team has ever operated. But I'm not about to risk losing members who aren't essential to the task. Think, we're likely to meet Tangleweb inside the cramped confines of spacecraft, just like last time. Invisible says, true. Kaz says, we nearly crowded each other out then, and that was several Legionnaires ago. Strength isn't always in numbers. I've made my decision, and I'm sticking to it. And Triad says, okay, I understand, but I don't have to like it. No, if you excuse me, I have to go feel useless. And she walks off and starts thinking to herself, stupid, stupid, Cause was right. And then, no, he wasn't. I won't be judged like that. And a third thought bubble says, he was trying to be fair, though. And one thought bubble says, I had to get out of there. I didn't want them to know what happens when I get such, ah, and then she starts hulking out, um, except not really hulking out. She just splits into three. And so uh, continues, get such mixed, says orange, and feelings, says neutral, and uh, purple doesn't say anything. And so or purple says, I can't believe you let cause talk to us like that. And Orange says, but he knows about these things. He's so smart. And Neutral says, and we're not, we're, and Purple storms off. Hey, come back here. Not till you two show some personality. And Orange says, let her go. Neutral says, no way. I'm going to talk some sense into her. And if you remember, uh, Orange is the more timid one. 
and purple is the more hot-headed one and neutral is the neutral one. So we are in dry dock and it appears our team is Spark and Cosmic Boy and Leviathan and Apparition and Kinetics and Million and Andromeda. Are you going to say something, Jim? Or nope, not me. Oh, I thought, I thought I heard someone break in. And so they're on the deck. And of course, Leviathan is the pilot over in the left-hand seat. So uh, that can't be good. That can't be good. And Apparition says, clear for takeoff. Uh, Kaz, who's in the pilot seat, the right hand, is all systems operative. Sparks is exterior scan, check. Interior scan, hello. And there's an alarm going off, meet, meet, meet. Uh, sensors show a stowaway, but that's impossible. Invisible kid. Uh, and he says, I I'm just um, proving my resourcefulness. Yeah, that's it. Come on, take me along. You won't even know I'm here. And so Kaz opens up the hatch and literally throws them out and says, count on it. This isn't a game. Orders are orders. We'll discuss this stunt later. Invisible, Invisible says, you don't understand. You're going to need me as the that cruiser flies off. Now, historically speaking, aren't invisible kids like supposed to be like invisible to like all detection? Like that's like their whole thing. It's not just visible; it's everything. Depends on who's writing. I think in the the original version, it was just invisible to light, and then maybe I, I think it wasn't until Jacques came along that they enhanced the powers. But that's just my guess. Yeah. All right. Okay. So six six light years later, uh, we have the Legion cruiser coming upon a derelict spaceship that says, uh, someone says, find anything in that SP ship apparition? And she comes back, or she's on the ship, phasing through walls, says chaos. It's not as creepy as last time, though. For one thing, Tangleweb's long gone. For another, he's taken his cocooned corpses with him probably thinks he raided everything out of this ship. And someone back on the ship says, let's hope not. And she says, we'll know in a second, I've reached the bridge. And uh, apparently there's some 90s versions of CRT computer screens on the bridge. This is a really old SP ship apparently. And lots of uh, yellow sticky gooey stuff um, that is obviously from Tangleweb and can't be from anything else. Um, and so uh, on the comm link, someone says, good. Now scout out the vector console. After our last run, all UP freighters were equipped with a special device designed to map the energy discharge of Tangleweb's craft and track him wherever he goes next. And she pulls off a box, got it. And sure enough, we have a reading. Time to repent your sins, puss bag. You're busted. Uh, and meanwhile, back on Earth, uh, Invisible Kid is telling somebody, busted me, but they can't do without me. And so we're in an SP hangar, bunch of ships around, and uh, some guy says, come on, kid, you don't work for EarthGov anymore. It's my arms if they find out I gave you the Shadow Stalker. And it looks like it's a stealth spacecraft of some sort. It looks like something Batman would have invented. Oh, and and Invisible Kid says, that's why I'll make it worth your while, Dobe. Or have you lost your taste for imported silver, silver ale? 
And Dobe says, I want a full case this time. And I promise you'll be back sooner than soon. And Lyle says, done. And he climbs up the ladder into the ship. Hello, girl, it's been a long time. And Dobe says, did I give you time to, sw to swoon? No, get out of here. And Invisible says, okay, relax. I'll make it two cases. And Dobe says, what? And by the way, Dobe has four arms. That's why he mentioned his arms. And uh, Invisible Kid says, oh, never mind. It's not like I'm going to survive anyway. And now we have a Legion cruiser going after a ship that we saw in the first page, which has got to be Tangleweb. And someone's saying, target locked. He didn't get far. And Leviathan says, it's Tangleweb, all right. He's ours. And Kaz says, or we're his. Someone says, what do you mean? He's changed trajectory. And now he's coming right at them. Uh, and Kaz says, brace for impact. He's coming right towards us. Because I guess they don't have shields or anything. And uh, there's a collision. And with a screeunk, uh, Tangua rip, rips his way through the metal into the, uh, the cruiser. And someone says, we're breached. Hold on. And Kaz says, Andromeda, heal, heal, seal the hull fast. Spark, you're in too close. Back, back away. Ah! As he gets splutched with uh, Tangleweb's uh, splorp. And she uh, she shoots some lightning at him and she says, not a chance. And Tangleweb says, hmm, a brave girl, but not too smart. Still, wrap her up. I'll take her. And he splutches uh, and, and covers her in goo while Andromeda is using her heat vision to seal up the breach. And she yells, spark. And Leviathan grows giant and says, not without a fight, hit him. And uh, so Tangleweb is, is trying to wrap up um, Spark. And uh, someone says, kinetics, can you? And she interrupts, says, add a little life to this control panel? Already done. And then she turns whatever the control panel magically into a cage and says, think that'll hold them? And Tangleweb says, unlikely. As with a screeunk, he uh, uses one of his robot arms to smash the cage. And Leviathan says, he sounds smarter than he did last time we fought. And he dodges a, 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 a schmutz with a sputch. And uh, uh, he says, that makes him doubly dangerous. Uh, as, he, as his foot gets tripped up and he almost lands on kinetics and chameleon. And then he starts getting wrapped up. Bloody nasty Andromeda, you're a heavy hitter. Take him out. And she's like, and touch that bug? No way. And he says, are you kidding me? Fry him then. For Grife's sake, use your laser vision. And she uh, shoots him with a blast of laser vision with a And uh, Tangleweb says, yarg, hurts, hurts. As uh, she's the thing. Yeah. As she's blasting him and he's flailing around and he grabs the two um, uh, cocoons of Spark and Leviathan. And uh, Kinetic says, he's pulling the ship away. We're losing pressure again. Do something. And uh, Leviathan is there now and says, he's got Kaz and Spark. Catch him. As if, did I miss Kaz getting splurched? No, it was right at the beginning. 
he was um right as Tangleweb came in uh back on um <clears throat> oh yeah when he said you're yeah you're too close you're close back, back away. away yeah ah, okay i didn't realize that he got yeah. he got splutched but i didn't realize that that was him in the cocoon i thought that was uh leviathan that right, ex- right. That explains why Leviathan starts shouting orders through all this because Cos yeah. is incapacitated. Yeah. yeah. So he's got Cos and Spark catch him. And Andromeda says, I can't. Someone has to seal the hole before you suffocate, big man. And uh, Chameleon turns himself into a rocket and says, I go. Andromeda, or the apparition says, No, Cam. Now that Tangleweb knows we're in pursuit, he's in hyperdrive. Uh, and uh, Andromeda is, is sealing the hull breach as Kinetics is trying to help uh, Leviathan out of his cocoon. And Apparition says, given our damage, we don't have the power to match that speed. Now what? Kinetics says, let's ask our leader. Uh, but causes, I know, but someone's got to fill his shoes, Gim. And he says, and let the past go, dot, dot, dot. Okay, listen up as he's... Uh, removed from the cocoon. Uh, so they're now on the bridge. It's Cam and Apparition and Kinetics and Leviathan and Andromeda. And he says, Apparition, run a hull diagnostic. Make sure we're still space-worthy. Space then get a new lock on Tangleweb ship. Check. Kinetics, ready estimating or ready remaining engines for full power. Done, but we don't have anything that can match Tangleweb speed. And he says, wrong, Andromeda can. And she says, uh-uh. He's, she goes, you want me to run ahead? And do what if I catch Tangleweb? I told you I'm not touching that slimy th- ship or the slimy thing or his creepy ship. And he says, his ship's not what I had in mind. Get out there. And it turns out he wanted her to carry the ship as she flies super fast through space. Yeah, be the engine. <laughs> and he goes, how's our acceleration? And Apparition says, phenomenal. Good plan. Getting Andromeda to add her speed to ours. So long as she stays on trajectory, we'll sail right up to Tangleweb's exhaust. I only hope Ayla and Kaz are all right. And with a grimace, Kaz, or, uh, Leviathan says, they will be, I promise. I've paid my dues at this job, and I'm not going to lose them too. And all of a sudden, wham, or sorry, thwam, as they kind of get, looks like they ran into something, and they all get thrown forward into their seat belts. Rapid acceleration trauma. Yes. And he says, Andromeda, come in. What the hell just happened? What caused that impact? And she says, landing. Duh. We vectored straight onto a planetary surface. Tangleweb had to have landed here somewhere. And so they get out, and there's a kind of a melty-looking background, and there's kind of a honeycomb uh, hex-looking pattern on the floor, as if they're getting ready to uh, play some role-playing game that has you uh, maneuver in certain directions. And Andromeda says, do you hear some sort of skittering noise from underfoot? And Leviathan says, probably soil setting under, settling under our weight. You're the one with the X-ray and vision. Don't be afraid of what you might see. Check it out. Cam, you and Zoe start a recog. And then they hear a rumble. He says, never mind. Everybody up, up. 
as they start flying. And Chameleon Boy's like, sorry, Chameleon, take a drink. Uh, is like, ah! Mm -hmm. And so they're all flying using their flight rings, looking down, and Drama says, soil settling, huh? Guess again. Whatever that is, it isn't settled. You were looking for Tangleweb, and now here we are on the uh, uh, on the splash page near the end of the issue, and there are like a lot of Tanglewebs coming up from underneath those uh, uh, that hex thing, and they've got wings, and they are really creepy looking. And but most of them are not cybernetic. They are not cybernetic, and this. They show one in full body, and it looks like he's got six limbs. So maybe these are insects, and Tangleweb just has six limbs plus two mechanical ones or two Dr. Octopus ones. And uh, so Andromeda says, well, good luck picking him out as all these uh, insect Tangleweb-looking things start coming, climbing out. Uh, what now, fearless leader? And then we cut back to Earth. And Triad, or at least neutral Triad, is walking around outside Legion headquarters and says, well, that certainly accomplished a lot. That's the problem with tantrums for people from Karg. It's so easy for us to get ashamed of ourselves. Kaz is right. He's always right. And I'll notice, by the way, that Karg is back to being spelled with two Gs instead of three. Because Karg with three Gs was five years later. And right. Triad continues, so all I have to do is get back to headquarters, make my apologies, and everything will be okay. And then we see a taxi or something coming up, uh, and someone says, there. Uh, and three guys jump out. One's the bald guy from last issue. One's the guy with a red-haired ponytail. And the other's a blonde-haired guy with uh, uh, sunglasses who says, how about that? Alien and stupid, too. And ponytail says, shouldn't be out here alone at night, you freak. And the three of them uh, form a triangle around her. And Baldy says, we've been wanting to make an example out of a legionnaire. Guess who just got elected? And Triad says, you're picking on the wrong girl, creep. Uh, legionnaires can take care of themselves. And with uh, a knee to the groin, uh, which she apparently learned from Karate Kid, uh, she takes out Baldy, who goes, uh, except uh, Ponytail strikes her from behind with a flick and says, you don't say. And she collapses with an uh. And then meanwhile, uh, Orange Triad, who is over in the uh, the commissary with Tenzel, uh, getting something to eat, saying, and a shake, Tenzel, and she collapses at the same time. And Tenzel says, Triad, what's wrong? Triad! As uh, uh, Ponytail and Blondie are beating uh, neutral up, filthy, gene-bending freak, teach your kind of lesson. And then uh, Purple... I was like, oh, what's wrong with me? Feel weak. Sister, where are you? And then there's uh, uh, some blue guys out walking his small alien critter. And we Looks see... Looks like his, his little elf. Yeah. Uh, and we see 
uh, a purple arm with a white glove. And it's not looking good. And that's where my copy ends. Is there a page 24? Yes, there is. Uh, oh. So it's a splash page with um, Triad lying in a pool of blood with a triangle painted uh, across her waist and down around her legs and a big uh, piece of paper that says aliens go home. And the little guy walking his elf is saying, lady. This is, oh. this is, um, you is know, it a, is how, it a white triangle on there? It is indeed a white triangle, sir. Uh oh. You know, this is one of those things where, um, they hit on something, uh, you know, there was a, a thing at the time, and, um, sadly remains and uh sadly is possibly at its worst and um so yeah this you know this run is uh you know with this stuff is certainly resonating with our current times i wonder how uh, many and- people were complaining at the time that this sort of like uh, uh racial division was out of, was uh out of character for the future 1995 surely Surely we'd be above beyond that by then, by now, by then. Yes, <laughs> you'd think. Why? Why we're we're over this now? Perhaps by uh, say yeah, twenty twenty three. I mean, this won't even be a thought. Did yeah, yeah age poorly. That's, that's twenty eight years later. Yeah, so just food for thought, people. It's uh, you know, we say, oh, look at us reading comics from. Uh, from 28 years ago, but man, still a, a entirely relevant and uh, sadly so. So anyway, and, um, and, that is a hell of a poignant picture Moy has drawn there. So continued in Legionnaires number 24 on sale in two weeks. That is correct. I don't think that's Moy. Motor? Oh, sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, Chris. Oh, well, Chris is- Renault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. This is a fill-in. Or, uh, or is he the regular artist now? But I'll no, say, as, as fill-ins go, it was pretty awesome. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, look good. Yeah, you know, this wasn't like it's not like they got like you know, uh, Dematis and uh, and Ditko to and, fill in. Correct. Fortunately, <laughs> where there would have been my avail Tango Web, which I am on board for. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, but uh, but yeah, I think Renault did a really fine job here. But yeah, that is a um, a rough ending, and you know these are the guys that uh, that Andromeda let go last issue. Yep. So we are. But at least to... it wasn't Brainy's fault. So far. Well, yeah, you're right. Usually it is. <laughs> wow. So it, it is uh, quite amazing when you get down to it, how, uh, you know, if we don't learn from history, history will repeat itself <laughs> at least every five years um, or 10 If not years. every 28 years. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Michael, tell me. 
Did any such horrible things happen this week in Legion history? Uh, well, I don't track horrible things. Uh, I only tra- uh, track good and things. Thank you for that. <laughs> that that happened this week in Legion history. Uh, so uh, 60 years ago in 1963, uh, Action Comics number 301, uh, Superman recruits Comet, the super horse, and Supergirl, who accompanies him, to Sorcerer's, oh. to Sorcerer's World, a.k.a. Xerox, to do a favor for Prince Endor, an old friend. In return, Endor casts a spell that causes Comet to become temporarily human when a comet passes through Earth's solar system. After he and Supergirl return to Earth, Comet becomes a human again when a comet nears Earth and becomes a rodeo star taking on the name of Bronco Bill. Uh, we did not cover this issue. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my God. I, I just want you to hold on to that little piece of knowledge. Holy cow. And and add it to our list of things to do, or or, or to to never add it to our list of things to remember about okay. comet. Just continue. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, on that same day in 1963, Adventure Comics 309, Jungle King is rejected from joining the Legion, and decides to take revenge as Monster Master, using his so-called Legion of Super Monsters, some of which are. Uh, escaped jungle animals and, so, and zoo animals. So he's not only a legion trader; he is also an escaped zoo animal. Oh my god! Take so many drinks. He, he's not a he's not a legion trader because he was rejected and then turned against them. So, do you want to take a drink for that, or do you want to take a drink? We've got for, escape. Too, we've too, got escaped too animals. We're good for for escaped animals. Yeah, or, we're good. Or do you want to do both? Uh, ironically, he I is mean, killed it's by. Happening. Yes, ironically, uh, Monster Master is killed by a vapor beast who he had rejected from his legion. Now oh, that's irony. Karma. Uh, Thirty-five years ago, nineteen eighty-eight, who's who in the Legion number four? We get twenty-five pages of Legion homeworlds, and then uh, entries for. The Legion of Supervillains through Monel, and that was back in episode two thirty one. Oh, Adventure two, sorry, Adventure three hundred nine. That was episode twenty. Fifteen years ago, in two thousand eight, we have Justice Society of America Volume Two, Thy Kingdom Come Part One hardcover, collects uh, JSA Volume Three, number seven to twelve, as Thy Kingdom Come Part One of Three. Uh, so this is Justice Society Volume Two, or Justice Society of America Volume Three, Volume Two of the reprints, Part One of Three, for this storyline. And you thought our stuff was confusing. So this con- uh, collects um, uh, the story featuring Superman of Earth Twenty Two being stranded on New Earth following a global conflict between heroes that ravaged his world. Soon after, Superman joins forces with the JSA in preventing New Earth from following the same path as his world by stopping an old god of the first world named Gog. Okay, okay, I remember this story on, yeah. And this is where Starman was was an active member of the JSA. That's right, yeah. 
So we uh, also have in 2008, Superman number 687. While Superman leaves the planet Earth to take care of business on New Krypton, he leaves Monel in charge of protecting Metropolis under the guidance of Guardian. Monel takes on the secret identity of Jonathan Kent and joins the science police. Mm-hmm. Five years that, ago, that would be the outfit run by Maggie Sawyer. Uh, was she was she in charge of the science police? She was. Yeah. All right, that's hers. Uh, five years ago in 2018, we have Supergirl TV episode uh, 315 called "In Search of Lost Time," when Marin inadvertently causes psychic disturbances at the DEO, Supergirl must work with John to contain the resulting chaos. Meanwhile, Monel begins training Kara in fighting techniques he's learned in the future for battling world killers. Oh God, and this was know- where he taught her the cape fighting techniques. And this is where Ugh. he passes on his fighting techniques that he learned from Karate Kid. From future Karate Kid, TV Karate Kid, who we never actually saw. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. He taught a lot of cape fighting, which is interesting given that Karate Kid never had a cape. Um, but you got to know how to protect yourself against people who do have a cape because that's the number one thing that you can use a cape for is to grab people and swing them around. <laughs> it's so true, Michael. I mean, you've nailed it. <laughs> I think that was a. Uh, I think that was an ambush bug thing, which is what he did to Superman or something. I think you're right. <laughs> well, it's the, that's, uh, the, that's the danger of having an invulnerable cape. Yeah. Uh, so also in 2018, we have the Flash Rebirth Deluxe Edition Volume 2 hardcover, which collects Flash Volume 5, issues 14 to 27, which contains the button where we get a cameo of Saturn Girl and that we covered in episode 446. Mm. Finally, in the uh, five-year-later timeline, 955 years from now, uh, Andrew Nolan's funeral, because as you remember, Feralad uh, died last week, and Valor gives a eulogy. And, and I've got to think that it was Valor who uh who Pharaoh Lad took the place of to try and and take the the bomb to the sun eater. Right. Yeah, that's that's my way of thinking on it as well. Is there were times that he was substituting for Monel. It is times that he was substituting for Superboy and there was times that he was just substituting. He is the original substitute hero, really. Um but yeah, that's uh you know, that's a story that's See, you know, they just didn't do such things uh, necessarily. You know, when your book's written by a 13-year-old, he does some cool stuff, uh, but maybe doesn't pick up on the little the little details like that funeral with the uh, the huge um, tearjerker speech from Valor. Well, we didn't get a... No, this was the five years later, so this is the retcon version. I, I realize that. I'm, I'm just saying, like... Oh. Yeah, yeah, so uh, theoretically, the beer bombs would have, uh, or they wanted to write the new series, uh, kind of telling the, oh, the five a good years point. later yeah. version. Yeah, and so exactly. This is what 
might have we might have seen in such a book yeah 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 okay and yeah it's interesting it. oh. uh, sorry go ahead go ahead no so that that's it for for this week in legion history very nice very nice yeah no just some thought-provoking bits in there it's like you know i i kind of wish we had got that series that gave us the history of that version of the legion and um you know, because I mean, it, we we wanted blanks filled in, right? And uh, and so, hey, if it could have been the beer bombs and Sprouse doing that, but but you know, sales just weren't where they were. And I mean, certainly according to Giffen, sales weren't where they were even before uh, his run. You know, it wasn't necessarily the biggest book. And um, now, the numbers that you get out of the uh, distribution you know the what was it the statement of distribution mm -hmm. um wouldn't wouldn't necessarily reflected that but but we got to remember that there was a certain uh amount of um you know we're gonna put a whole lot of stuff out there and uh and you know again less competition etc etc so um it was a different world back in the newsstand days but this Any. was this was this was during the uh, uh, early-ish 90s, so the um, uh, direct sales was getting bigger and bigger in terms of market share. Yeah, subscriptions and, wouldn't have mattered as much by now. Yeah, and, and newsstand was was getting scarcer and scarcer. The uh, but that's what I mean is that yeah. now it was it was all down to uh, what you could get out of the direct market, right? right. And uh, the direct market that had been around for. Yeah, about eight or nine years. Writ large. Wait, wait, eight or nine years. It's 94. I thought direct market started in the early 80s with the Baxter stuff and, yep. and before just before that. Yes, but I mean, as far as that being the exclusive method of of uh, of, of distribution. Yeah, it took about it took about 10 years for the direct market to basically take over. Yeah, uh, the very, well, well, the very what, first. What I what I'm saying is right now in in this time frame, you, 1995. You, you yes, still, you, in 95, you still have newsstand distribution. You still have spinner racks. You still have subscription because every one of these issues has got a subscription page still. Yeah, I think, by 95, and you have the direct market. I mean, all three are all three aren't but equal, the, and direct market is overtaking the other two, you know, rapidly. But by this point, the direct market is almost exclusive. Yeah. Um, you remember it wasn't it was um 1995 that um uh that heroes world or that marvel oh, yeah. bought heroes world that, that is when all this is happening because the bankruptcy is about to happen in a year right and then and then uh, dc and image signed with diamond and that's when we saw a whole bunch of smaller uh indie people or indie publishers go out of business because um you know they they couldn't meet the the minimum numbers, and yeah. uh, and so you had Marvel with Heroes World, and you had DC and Image, and Valiant, and I'm not sure, yeah, uh, who was around then. Uh, and the, the other thing to remember is that what was on the newsstands by this point wasn't as robust as what was on the newsstands, you know, in the early '80s. All I can and say is. 95 is when I would have been reading comics and I was mm -hmm. almost getting them exclusively through newsstands at the pharmacy. 
uh, and at, and at, at uh, Woolworths. Mm-hmm. So I was getting X Men comics. I was getting Fantastic Four comics. I was getting I was getting the popular titles, or at least be able to get my hands on them at this point through through a newsstand. The sixteen that they had on there. Yeah, I mean, I right. remember seeing all the zero hour tie-ins, a lot of them. Um, yeah, so they would. I think they would have. Not as many image books, of course. Well, yeah, and and I I would have thought I would think that that and and I don't remember you know by this point, I was you know fully going to a um, comic store down in in downtown Guelph, and because um, the first time I went in there. I picked up, uh, you know, I, I, I picked up um, Legion 3. I picked up a, uh, you know, where Block died. And I picked up an issue of, of Teen Titans with the Royal Flush Gang. Because that's the state they were in at the time, uh, right before Titans Hunt. And it, it was, and, and I think the thing that really kept me in there was, uh, was um, Ty Templeton was doing a signing. And I and uh, I had a conversation with him that just got me like really interested in comics again. And so I don't know what was going on in the newsstands at the time. I remember seeing a lot of. um, Like I would see like, you know, something from continuity comics or. um, You know, it would be, uh, you know, the the Neil Adams outfit and it would be. like you know really oddball stuff uh by that point and uh, i don't know if that's just uh you know a, a news a, 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 a distributor in my area who had a weird sense of humor um <laughs> but it was an oddball mix of titles for sure um i can say this i'm doing a little bit of a little bit of research while we're talking and yeah and i'm reasonably sure there was a newsstand version of legion of superheroes right now I'm sure there was. It doesn't mean it was. It was put everywhere. No, it was called. You know, that's what Tales of the Legion was. N- no, 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 no. What, I, what, I, what I'm saying is, at this point in history, at this point in time, there is a direct market Legion of Superheroes comic, and there is a newsstand. They come out at the same time. There's two different versions of the same comic. One will say direct oh, okay. market. One will say direct sales and the barcode. Mm. The other one won't. And you'll find both versions of the comic floating around huh. right now. Um, are you just talking about with the UPC code and one and the other one? Yeah, exactly. Because oh, yeah. one one designated it as direct market, the other one designated yeah. it as newsstand. And at this point, Legion is on newsstands, or at least it should. I'm be. I'm sure it is. It doesn't mean it's on all of them. No, that's true. Like, like the, the that's the thing is you can't assume that the distribution that was happening in 1995 is done in the same way as what is happening in. Um, in 1983 so you're you're ending up with uh with i i don't know i'm gonna float this out there a bunch of x-men titles bunch of batman titles sound like something that could happen yes ever i can't imagine that happening (laughs) i can't imagine that'll ever be the case i will say that my local walden books which is where i got most of mine until i start just got the ability to drive and go to comic Mm -hmm. shop few cities away yep uh i we had a great variety there was a guy that worked there and he was a big yeah. comic fan and See, he I, stocked I, it with everything independent books just all kinds of crap that you would never expect to be at a mainstream bookstore but he just filled it with things and for, and forever some people were, man. 
Absolutely. And some people were lucky enough to have someone like that. A lot of us, not so much. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, a lot of them, it was just like, put in the thing that sold last time. And the uh, the guy who was doing the distribution would, would be like, I'm just going to put in the stuff that I don't have to carry back. And, um, and you know, Batman was a sure thing. X-Men was a sure thing. Fantastic Four? I don't know. I think this was around the time that they'd given uh, Sue that improbable. Uh, it was four shaped um, uh, boob my, window. My, my favorite era. That Fantastic Four got me into comics. Really? Although, uh, although my favorite part is just after she got rid of that costume. <laughs> which, which might be. Oh, excuse me. Which might be right about now, actually. Um, well, there you go. I love DeFalco's Fantastic Four. I think it was Todd, DeFalco uh, and, and Paul Ryan, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I love that stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just remember I remember um one of the uh one of the super show episodes uh of this show um has Ky- uh, Kyle Miner bringing in a copy and just like saying, How does this costume work? <laughs> well, it takes a lot of work to put on. It well, it does, and also just to, just to not have that little four, you know, flap around a bit. Um, so, so actually, by now in early '95, that costume is gone. She's in a much better costume right now. Well, uh, actually, it's I'm, one of my favorite costumes. I, I'm glad to hear that, especially because she's about to get, uh, um, what onslaughted or whatever. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's a few years away, Jason. Yet. Is it, Honestly, is it, it could have been way? a costume? It could have been a costume that covered everything, and she was just making parts of it invisible. Genius! Yeah, so there's no prize. Sign no our prize boy. Thank you. Thank there you, you go. <laughs> oh well, that's great. All right, I, guys, I got some feedback. So, oh boy, hey. what do people think on? of us, Paul? Put some cheaters on, and this one uh, has a little trivia in it too. Oh wait, what's happened here? Oh my. Um, I, yeah, nope. I thought, Ooh, I've got an attach, uh, a message with an attachment with an image. And, uh, maybe one of the guys sent me a comic book page. Nope. That's not what that is at all. The virus. <laughs> yeah. I bet that's involved too. Um, all right. So here. All right. From Sal Longo it says, hello, boys. Having fallen woefully behind in my podcast listening of late and a recent, uh, but a recent third, a recent parenthetically third bout with COVID COVID gave me some time to free time to catch up. First off, I was shocked and saddened when I learned of Darren's passing. I will sorely miss his presence on the podcast. My sincere condolences to the subs and all of Darren's friends and family. Thank you, Sal. That means a great deal. Um, a second, like some of you have stated, I too am enjoying this read of the reboot era much more than I did when I originally read it 30 years ago. 28 years ago, so just saying. We need this. Two <laughs> <laughs> uh, years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll take what I can get. Uh, he says, I look forward to the 2050s. Hey, kids. <laughs> <laughs> and a reread of the Bendis Legion. Uh, third, 
in a recent episode, there was a little Beatles talk that inspired me to submit a Stump the Subs Beatles edition. Ooh. Everyone ready? In the 1965 film Help, there were several scenes showing the boys' piano with various Superman family comics displayed on the music stand instead of sheet music. I've seen among, this picture. Yes. Among these comics are Superman 165 and Action Comics 304 and 311. In Superman 165, this is question one, what legionnaire masquerades as Cersei the Sorceress in order to help Superman pull one over on the Superman Revenge Squad? Uh, Saturn Girl? Or? Or Princess Projectra? No, no, you're right. Oh. You know. Well, that was just a total guess. It, it it is. Is it right? Is she of that age though? I'm just saying. 1965. Yeah. What? It, oh, no, it's Superman issue 165. Oh, uh, from what what year was the movie? Or did what movie was it? No, it's a comic book. A comic book from this conversation has gotten twisted. At some yeah, point. I, I don't. I no longer understand the question. It is in Superman issue number one sixty five. What Legionnaire masquerades as Circe the Sorceress in order to help Superman pull one over on the Superman Revenge Squad? You are right that it is Imra Ardeen. She just might have been a little bit older. Uh, oh, Saturn Woman, you mean? That's right. That's right. Oh, so it's right. splitting the Revenge hairs. Squad. It's splitting hairs. Um, bonus question. Who accompanies Saturn Woman to the past to lend a hand? I have not read the Adult Legion story in a while. I Lightning, can't Man. Lightning Man? Well, you could be right because it is a Prody. Um, I was about to say, I was about to say Prody. <laughs> it's Prody 2, um, whom Saturn Woman refers to as her pet. My God, you've got to think. Giffen had that in mind. <laughs> well, well, Garth is Prody one, so Prody, yes. so having Prody two as a pet is like having two husbands, right? Right. That's what we're saying. All right. In Action Comics three hundred four, Superman is taken to the planet Vorn, where he is forced to participate in the interplanetary Super Olympics. A, a millennium later, the Legion battles what former ally on Vorn? Uh, Beast Boy. That is correct. In Adventure Comics 300, uh, 339, the Legion travels to Vorn to pursue Beast Boy of Lalor, who has become bitter and has turned against humans. Bonus question. Wait, hold on. The, yeah. the only reason I got that is because I couldn't think of any other former ally that the Legion had faced in that year or in that era other than Nemesis Kid. Oh, okay. Fair. That's fantastic. Um, in the 30th century, Vorn is known as the jungle planet inhabited by many beasts. How many can you name? Huh. This is a, a tough a question. Sorry. Repeat the question real quick. In um, in the 30th century, Vorn is known as the jungle planet. 
mm. inhabited by many beasts. How many can you name? None. Uh, well, there's the lightning beast of Corball. Oh, take a I'm... drink. Oh, wait. So it's inhabited by many beasts. Wait. Yes. But it's, that, probably... but it's not, those are not one of them. But yeah, oh. take a drink because the lightning beast. Well, I wanted oh, to do yeah. it just oh. so that we could take a drink. Yeah. The, uh, right. He took it, the, the, Oh Lord, I don't know if it had a specific name, but the the big mole he turned into. I remember he did that when he escaped them. I do not know. Hold on, I can find out. All right, it seems we don't know, so I'm going yeah, to say slits, which were six armed gorilla beasts. Yeah, yeah. Flasher beasts, another gorilla like beast with the ability to cast blinding radiation from their eyes. I think that's what you were talking about, Travis. Um, Dragos, giant insectoids, Vrans, purple-ringed alligator-like beings, and Torks, two-headed horned elephant-like beasts who would sometimes play uh, bass or guitar for the monkeys. I remember the I remember the the <laughs> torque the, the the horned elephant thingy. Yeah. Yeah, the six-armed gorilla actually talked about that uh when there was one in the in the prison, I think it was. I think you're right. She's back. I think you're I right. I couldn't remember yes. the name of it, though. I couldn't remember. The... That's funny. In uh, Ouch. Oh, wait, sorry. wait. One other thing about Vorn. So uh, I looked up my uh, my Legion Atlas, and um, everybody refill your drinks because feeling unwelcome on Lalor because of his superpower, Beast Boy fled to Vorn and turned its beasts against the few inhabitants and later the legion until uh, captured among the creatures and shipped to earth for display in the metropolis zoo. So we have uh, escaped super beasts that we take a drink for. They have it. Usually they escape from the zoo. In this case, they escaped to be put in a zoo. Very Correct. interesting. It's a very interesting, uh, um, permutation of that all right this one everyone should have been paying attention in action comics 311 super pets member comet the super horse asks the aforementioned circe to make him human which she does circe was the one responsible for comet's transformation from centaur to horse and for giving him superpowers what was comet's name when he was a centaur and what name does he use in human form? Well, it was, you mean Bronco Bill as uh That's his human form name. In yep. human form? Yeah. So what's his centaur name? Uh the it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> is that the is that the name he used when he uh joined the Legion under false pretenses? Uh maybe. It is blank the blank. Oh, I, that's not what I've got. Oh, okay. Well, that was a different name then. Yeah. Yet another name. So many names. Uh, was it Brian? It was Byron. Byron, geez. Yeah. Well, that's what I was, that's what I was going for. Byron the Bowman. That's what he. Oh, uh, it does. Yeah, I don't have that information, so oh, I don't. Okay. Try and I certainly wouldn't have been able to answer this question. Uh, oh. But you mentioned Bronco Bill earlier, oh. and I just thought so. It was Byron was his centaur name, and Bronco Bill Star is the name he uses when fully human. 
Bonus question. This story takes place on Valentine's Day. Supergirl receives a giant mailbag of Valentine's, but what three boys give Linda Lee slash Supergirl Valentine's in person? <laughs> this uh, I can, depends I can on guess. you knowing um, um, Supergirl. Superboy? Super Supergirl supporting characters at the time. I, I will I will let Travis and Jim take a crack at it first. Yeah. I'm does, pretty Super, sure does, I does Superboy give him give her he, one? He does not because of course um he was already uh Superman, no longer a boy. Oh right. Uh, it would be more inappropriate. Not that that stopped them. <laughs> no, <laughs> no it, was... it did not. <laughs> they couldn't marry because it was against the law in Krypton for cousins to marry. <laughs> that's the only reason. Other than that, all clear. Right. Anybody have any other guesses? I have no idea who Supergirl's supporting casts are, yeah. and I doubt Streaky would have given her a Valentine. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah. gonna waste your time with guesses. Yeah. All right. I will guess Brainiac Five, Jero the Mare Boy, and Dick Malvern. You have two of the three correct. Ah. Dick Which Malvern one? and Gerald the Murboy, the Murboy. Excellent picks. The third one is Sandy Powers. Of that, course. Never heard of him. Same. Same. Um, awesome question, Sal. Much appreciated. He says, by the way, are all invited to play the top nine or ten favorite issues game? Yes. Yeah, sure. The answer in the comments is or yes. Email. Send them to us. Uh you know, you have just built me a segue right there, Jim. <laughs> um, you know, folks, you can send your top nine or ten uh, favorite issues to us at Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. You can also uh, share them on our Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. Uh, we are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, where you can post these or any other comments on this or any episode. And uh, with that, we make our way into the time bubble where we go to a time where there are no white triangle triangles placed on people and... Uh, I'm afraid I just don't know when that time is, but I'm looking. I think we all are. And we will see you all next week. <laughs>